You're listening to The Husk, a presentation by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Department of Agriculture Leadership, Education, and Communication. I'm your host, Michael Ferguson. If you sit down and talk with any retired farmer sitting at the coffee shop in one of many small Nebraska towns, one thing is sure to come up. Agriculture is not the same today as it was 50 or even 20 years ago. That old farmer will tell you one major thing that has changed is the technology that is used in production practices. Two areas that have seen some major advancements are the tractors themselves and the art of chemical applications. No, I didn't misspeak there. Applying chemicals to fields, whether it's herbicides, pesticides, or fertilizers, is an art. I sat down and spoke to two UNL professors who have dug deep into these areas of technology advancement. First, I spoke to Dr. Santosh Pitla, Assistant Professor of Advanced Machinery Systems in the Department of Biological Systems Engineering at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Dr. Pitla is working to develop an autonomous tractor. Agriculture equipment has become more automated one system at a time, and it may not be long until there isn't a need for an operator at all. So we are at a point where uh, uh, operators are inside the machine, but they're not really doing much other than uh, monitoring what is happening. So everything is done by the tractor's computer. So if you think about planting or harvesting, you set up few things and uh, they're doing operating by themselves. Or the operator uh, engages with the machine only when there is a problem. So, so it's a, we're almost getting to a point where we can easily take the operator out and put them in an office and uh, see the machines operating by themselves. While the technology is getting close to being able to remove the operator from the machine, there are still some advancements to be made. One thing that is not there yet, and that is where the big aspect of research is developing this intelligence into the machines so that they can take care of unpredictable situations. So, so if there is other tractors or people or animals, let's say sinkholes, you know, or uh, unexpected events that happen, so how does the machines react? Dr. Pitla has been working on a machine known as Flexro, which is a huge step towards autonomous tractors. So Flexro is uh, the full form of Flexro is flexible structured robotic vehicle. So it's a 46 horsepower uh, robotic machine and it has uh, four wheel drive and four wheel steering. So, so just not a four wheel drive, but also you can steer all four wheels so that you can save a lot of time in the field. So uh, in, in a field, uh, the biggest inefficiency from the machinery perspective is turning around at the end of the rows, right? So you go, you plant, you turn around at the end of the row. So wider the machine, it takes more time, more turning time. But with flex row, you have a four-wheel steering, so you can run it in different configurations to save that time uh, in terms of turning. So uh, since it is 46 horsepower and it is a robotic vehicle, uh, so you can perform some operation maybe 20 hours a day instead of eight hours a day. Flexro has a footprint of 10 foot by 10 foot and stands five feet high. Dr. Pilla believes that the biggest issue surrounding autonomous tractors is safety. When you take an operator out of the machine, the biggest challenge is the safety and liability. Uh, so we know how to accurately plant, uh, accurately spray, but then if there is no operator, if there is a situation, uh, emergency situation, how does the machine react to it? So that's where um, a lot of research is needed still, um, is uh, how do we uh, operate safely while performing the operations in the field. 
The cost of new technology is commonly expensive. The cost of agriculture equipment is also commonly expensive. You put these two factors together and prices can skyrocket. So uh, existing technology is already expensive, <laughs> if you mm -hmm. want to put it that way. But again, it, it also depends on uh, the farming enterprise, like how big a field do you have. Uh, uh, so that's a really good question because that's where more research needs to be done. Um, so if you have an autonomous vehicle, uh, in addition to existing tractor technology, you need to have uh, LIDARs and then some autonomous packages. So, so uh, on top of the existing machinery, you might be talking maybe, depending on the machine, you know, maybe fifty to $60,000 more. In terms of understanding if the average farmer can afford this technology, there's more work to be done in that area as well. So I think um, uh, we have to do economic analysis, but also I call it as techno-economic analysis. Uh, because if you have a robotic machine, let's say, so you might be more precise. You'll, you'll say when you are more precise, you'll say, you'll say seed and material costs. So that will add back, you know, in, uh, into your bottom line, basically. Mm -hmm. And same way, uh, there will be uh, improvements in your fuel costs. You might be, you know, uh, reducing the travel time. So we have to be considering all those economic benefits. And uh, uh, I think it's all about dollar per acre, right? So how much, if I'm using a robotic version of a tractor versus a non-robotic version, so what is that dollar per acre? The work that Dr. Pill is doing at UNL is pretty rare to see throughout the nation. So I think um, in Nebraska, um, we are uh, very unique in terms of we have the Nebraska Tractor Test Lab that is only one in the Western Hemisphere. Um, so we, we understand the tractors and the machinery, uh, the today's machinery, and then that kind of really uh, gives us a good view of uh, how to design the next generation of machinery. You know, so, um, and um, around the world, there, there are a lot of initiatives in terms of developing robotic machinery uh, for the fields. Uh, I think in Europe, there's a lot going on compared, um, in, compared to uh, a lot of universities in the United States here. So, um, so I think uh, in Nebraska, Lincoln, so I couldn't say like the Flexro machine, uh, I think there are only one or two institutes in the United States that are working on that type of a machine. I also sat down with Dr. Joe Luck, Associate Professor of Precision Agriculture Engineering in the Department of Biological Systems Engineering at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, to talk about spot spraying. Chemicals have been used in agriculture since the beginning of civilizations. It can be traced back to when the Mesopotamians used elemental sulfur dusting as one of the first known pesticides. Since then, chemical application has grown to a very large sector of agriculture. Spot spraying is pretty simple. Only spray chemicals in the spots that is needed to be sprayed. Spot treatment is basically, you know, we're going to identify the, the pest or the, you know, whether that's a weed, you know, if it's a weed insect um, or um, some type of fungus or, or, uh, or disease, you know, we're going to try and identify that and locally take care of that so that we're not broadcast spraying everything in the field. An issue many producers are facing is chemical resistant weeds and Dr. Luck addressed this issue. Typically, one of the major causes of weed uh, herbicide resistance, for instance, is not getting the right dosage on, <clears throat> and so you're not totally uh, killing that weed. The opportunity for this type of technology, though, is you know you do have a very localized area, and you can control that 
application very closely. So you should be able to see that weed and actually get the right amount of chemical or, or whatever treatment you're putting on that. So um, the biggest concern, I think, would probably be um, uh, times when you don't get that full treatment on there and you still have issues like that. But I could, I could see a lot of benefit to having that type of system if it's accurately predicting where weeds are, being able to treat them and not, not leading so much to you know, herbicide resistance, for instance. Spot spraying could also have an effect on the overall use of chemicals in agriculture as well. Well, the ideal situation would be you'd have less chemicals introduced into the environment. Um, there are a lot of instances, <clears throat> and, and you know, we have field uh, distributed data sets that show you know we have weed pressure in certain areas and not not really weed pressure in others. You know, being able to even just cut back herbicide, for instance, weed control applications to subfield areas is a good thing. But I think in the long run, um, you know, that's what these systems are trying to do is really reduce the amount of chemicals that you have to apply, and that's, that's just a good thing all around. So, Like with autonomous tractors, spot spraying technology can be expensive. Well, I've never tried to go out and buy one, so I really couldn't tell you. But um, <clears throat> as far as uh, the current, you know, uh, just thinking about a current sprayer that we would use out in row crops, uh, it's it's going to be a, a significant addition to that type. If we if we talk about the uh, maybe the machine vision based systems, because you've got to have those you know the cameras capturing that information, processing it very quickly, um, actuating the system across the spray boom, which you know that that type of control system adds you know probably a hundred dollars, maybe two hundred dollars per nozzle. If you look back to the Green Seeker systems, I think you know each one of those sensors and, and nozzle controllers was several hundred dollars, you know. So by the time you multiply that times 60 across the sprayer, that can get pretty pricey. So um, currently in the specialty crops area, you know, they're, they're treating maybe 15 to 20 feet widths per field. You know, our current row crop systems are more like 100 plus feet. So that's kind of the scale that that system's got to move to, I think, to be feasible. With how expensive equipment is and commodity prices where they're at today, farmers are making advancements where they can. Obviously, the, the biggest challenge today is, um, is the depressed commodity prices. And I think what you're seeing in a lot of cases is people may not be spending a lot of money on new equipment, but they might be spending a little money to upgrade technologies on their, uh, on their ag equipment. And... I think from the precision ag engineering side of it, it's it's continuing to try and innovate, you know, in, in the technology space to solve problems that either you know producers having with their equipment or you know trying to face another challenge and, and trying to adapt to that challenge. And so I think you see a lot of these systems, kind of like we've talked about, machine vision. That's a technology that's not been used in agriculture before. Um, we have some highly entrepreneurial folks out there that are looking for ways to integrate that into our production system and so you know again it's it's kind of a data based system and so it's taking that imagery that that real-time imagery and and uh, turning that into data and, and making a decision based on that data so I think those are the things that we're going to continue to see uh, moving forward is more use of data and and that could span a wide range of applications. Dr. Lux sees one day there being a completely automated spraying system in fields. 
In, in the field, absolutely. I mean, we already have examples of that. Um, I think you're always going to want to have some some human input into the system because, you know, again, there's there's decisions that have to be made, and, and the real question is, you know, how comfortable are you with a completely automated system making that decision? Mm-hmm. But just on the <clears throat> on the field equipment side, yeah, I, I think once we have um, you know better controls and and uh, the ability to mitigate kind of disastrous instances, we've already we've already have a lot of examples out there where things are pretty much autonomous right now. So. But again, I think the decisions, that's the one where human interface is going to be really important. Agriculture technologies are becoming more advanced every day, and I am thankful I had the opportunity to speak to these two experts in their field. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Husk. For the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Department of Agriculture Leadership, Education, and Communication, I'm Michael Ferguson.